Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. I am the CHAL hit air for Lux Balls Media and welcome to the Championship Podcast bringing you all the goals and all the drama from the second tier of English football. Joining me as always, Jordan and Lewis. Guys, we are here for another week. How are we doing? Doing brilliant, Charles. Thank you very much. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, we're back for another round of fixtures here in the Championship. Um, plenty of drama off the pitch to talk about before we get into the fixtures. Bristol City have got rid of Nigel Pearson and the word from Darren Whitcoop and a couple of others out there is that John Eustace is set to take over as the manager. We'll be discussing that in today's podcast. We're also going to discuss Queen's Park Rangers, Ainsworth gone, Marty Sifuentes in, someone who I said was a potential Huddersfield replacement, in my opinion, from overseas on TikTok, so someone that I'm very familiar with uh, on the analysis scene, but more on that today. We'll also talk about Sheffield Wednesday and the ongoing dispute between the fans and owner Delfonzi Chansiri. More on that later in the show. But we're going to get started then with the big news from Bristol City. Ashton Gate is no longer the home of Nigel Pearson. He has left after a couple of years at the club and the uh, likely replacement at this stage, we're hearing breaking news is John Eustace as we're recording this. Lewis, we'll come to you first on this. Uh, first of all, on uh, Nigel Pearson. Um, was it the right decision? If I'm being honest, I think it was a bit of a strange decision to let him go. You know, between he'd won two of the last five and considering two of them defeats were against Leeds and Ipswich, both of which were both by a one-goal deficit as well. I think it was very harsh. And he was competing with a side which was barely invested in in the summer. And considering we saw players such as Alex Scott leave for, what was it, nearly 20 million? I might have been over that. And it was circa 4 million worth of talent, 4 million pounds, sorry, that was brought in in the summer to replace that. I think it's just, I, I, I don't think he could have done much more. 
with that side, and it's very harsh to see him let go. Yeah, I, I'm on the same opinion as you. I think it was probably very harsh on an experienced manager, uh, especially with the people that left. And, um, you know, I, I, I could get some of it because, you know, Bristol City did bring, in a, did bring a lot of youth through the academy as well into the first team setup. And, you know, they're still in the process of promoting some of them talent. Um, Jordan, again, your thoughts on this? Do you think it was the right decision? Do you think it was harsh by Bristol City, given the circumstance of the summer? Um. I thought at the time it was an interesting decision, but I think more chances than not, I thought it was it was a weird one. I think looking at their form, obviously with their result at the weekend meant they've they've uh, they've lost five of the last seven games. I think it was more to there was there certainly seemed a bit of an inconsistency problem at Bristol City. But you look at their squad, and I generally do like it. Like like mentioned that there's some good players in that team. Jason Knight, former Derby, I'm a big fan of. In particular, there's a couple of others as well. Um, but you know what you were getting with Nigel Pearson, um, with how he sets his teams up. But I, it it certainly caught me by surprise. Um, yeah, um, that's all I can say, really. It was, I think you can maybe look at recent results and maybe think that. But I think on the whole, with he's, he's done a decent job there. I really do fondly believe that. But I don't know. I just thought the timing in particular was, was strange, if anything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So from one potential harsh sacking to another one who becomes the replacement, Lewis, John Eustace looks like he's going to be the man, according to a few uh, reported sources. Um, I'd, I'd look at the situation potentially and say it could be all but done. Um, would you think that was the right choice to take the club for? Because Bristol City have got the potential to potentially go into that premiership division with the amount of youth talent they're progressing through and the amount of value they're bringing to the squad long term. You know, is John Eustace the right man to take them forward? Yeah, I think they certainly do have, you know, one of the best, you know, youth setups, the academies in the second tier. But looking in favour at John Eustace, you know, all you need to do is look at where Birmingham City were when he was let go for whatever reason, you know. They were knocking on the door for playoffs. I think they were actually in sixth position when he was let go. And now, you know, three losses on the bounce. They're sat in 14th. Whether that's down to inadequacies of Wayne Rooney or the geniuses of uh, Eustace, you know, you're not, I'm not too sure. But he certainly got that championship pedigree, as we've seen over the past couple of years. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, Jordan, what does Eustace, if it is him, going to need to do to get this Bristol City side, you know, on form? What's he need to do in January? What's he need to do with the current squad? You know, is there any players that he needs to look at starting ahead of others? What What do you think in terms of what Eustace needs to do? Um, well, I think in terms of where the squad is at the minute is certainly to solve their inconsistency problem. I think, you know, they've they've gone on a couple of different spells where they've won a few games. And they've lost a few games in, in a row, so there's something something like that. I think has has to change as well. And I just think with with their squad, I've mentioned obviously some of their names, and like I said, the squad isn't that bad. It's very capable of pushing of pushing up. I feel with especially with some of the younger players in their squad. Um, I know they obviously like have Alex Scott, but but some of the some of the signings that they have made. Um, I feel with with the job that Eustace has done, especially with Birmingham, even even last year when 
they were somewhat still struggling over their um, previous ownership. Although I say struggle, he kept them up comfortably in the end. Um, I, I just can see it being a really good fit. And I really like the way they're going. I think Eustace is a name, probably a name in demand. Uh, I think Millwall were linked as well at some point. And I think, mm-hmm. I think if he'd went anywhere, it, I think it had been a good, good appointment for whoever gets him. And I, I'm just really impressed if, if, if that's who they're going to go for. I, I really like the appointment. I think in yeah, terms I mean, of, um, you know, Johnny, oh, sorry, Joel. But I think uh, in terms of Johnny Suss coming in, I think, I mean, he's got a fairly shoestring budget to work with if he does come in, I imagine. Fairly similar to what Pearson was trying to work under, which he did successfully, if you ask me. You know, we saw they've lost the last two games uh, in a row. But before that, they were knocking on the door for the playoffs. But I think he really needs to get the strikers firing if he does come in. You know, Matty Wells has just got the two goals so far this season. You know, Harry Cornick hasn't exactly had, you know, a successful period so far. So I think it all starts with the goals. You know, they've not exactly been up and firing. They've only only scored, sorry, 15 so far. And to be up where they should be, it's, you know, it's nowhere near where it is at the minute. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And uh, if it is John Hughes, hopefully we'll, yeah, we wish him the, the best of luck or whoever comes in. Uh, Ashton Gate. Um, quickly moving on then to the sort of next couple of stories. Uh, Ainsworth departs Queen's Park Rangers. The fans have wanted it for weeks. It's finally happened and they wasted no time in announcing uh, the Swedish Premiership side Hammerby's manager, Marty Sifuentes. Uh, as the replacement. Um, Lou is going to come to you on this one. Um, right decision. Um, you see, I, I, I talked about him on TikTok about overseas potential appointments at Huddersfield before we knew uh, about the official appointment uh, of Darren Moore. Um, you know, he's, he's a really progressive manager. I think he's got a lot of potential in the English game. We have a bit of experience under his belt uh, needed. Um do you think UPR made the right choice here, both with Ainsworth going at that possible time and with Sifuentes coming in? It's a, it's certainly a, a very a very left field one. You know, I'll admit my Swedish football knowledge isn't exactly the best, but it's certainly a, a surprising one. I thought they would get someone in to steady the ship, stop the rot. The same way I thought, you know, Shepherd Wednesday were going to do. I thought they were going to bring in. A level-headed, experienced championship manager, but you know both have went for a bit of a surprising one, and I think I think if, you know it, it gives motivation to the fans. I think if QPR saw just a, a steady Eddie come in, I don't think they'd be too inspired with the appointment. But you know, there's the prospect of a long-term plan here under the new manager, and. Yeah, from what I've seen from his past career, I think it's certainly a very exciting uh, exciting appointment for them. Absolutely. Um, John, we're going to come to you on this story. Um, Sheffield Wednesday. Um, now, this has come from uh, EFL Zone via Sheffield Star, uh, along many other news sources on this. Uh, now, Sheffield Wednesday owner Delfon Chansiri has asked supporters to in quotes, who in quotes call themselves owners to come up with £2 million within the next few days to save the club from a multi-window transfer embargo. And the official quote from the article was, if 20,000 people gave £100, then it's £2 million and it'd be clear so we can finish it. 
Um, when you look at the entire situation, there's apparent there's an apparent meeting, non-financial related, between Danny Roll and the club this week uh, about something else, nothing to do with finances. All this stuff about finances comes out. The fans are understandably not happy. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, how and what and why can we explain their situation? I don't think you can. Their own, I think you've got to look at what 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 has happened over the past. I mean, it's been going on for for ages now, even with their relegation or with their stadium issue. There, there was already red flags there. Um, but this but this summer in particular, after a really good season last year, um, obviously Darren Moore leaving and you know the to and throwing of the uh of the club statements there and then and then this news that I woke up to this morning. Um it's absolutely horrific. I don't think there's any other explanation for it. Um I th- there's a part of me thinks that he's doing it to test the water in regards to fans, but there's also a bit of me thinks, um, you know, if what if he hasn't got it? And and that, that opens up a different different can of worms. Um you, you know, I think it I just think of the um that clip from the in-between as the first one. So I, I don't with 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 um Simon and his mother. I don't know why you like this sometimes. Can I borrow 20 quid as he walks out spending every good back? Yes. <laughs> I just think of that. And I think cheek of that. Yeah. It's absolutely appalling. They charge Wednesday charge enough anyway, like near enough 50 quid for games. And I really do feel for their fans as well. Uh, mm. for for their ownership over the past couple of years and the dross they've been served up this season despite winning at the weekend. Um it certainly if Kate you know, just tell him to ram it if it was if if I was a Wednesday fan. It's neither you pay up or you sell up. It's as simple as that. And I think he's too stubborn to sell up, so I don't think he will. But it, the things that the situation's an absolute mess and like I said, I can't help but feel for their fans. I really do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know they're not a championship club anymore, but Reading as well, what that's going on with no, them, no, the no, fact that no, they no. are they are what days, weeks away from potential administration. It's again, you know, I'm not going to go on about this too long because we have to go into the games as well. But we're probably going to talk about this throughout the season. What, how do, what happens to the fit and proper persons test? What has happened to the apparent rule of owners to stop them doing things like this? Why isn't there not a rule to take clubs from owners who put fans in impossible situations and put the club in a financial mess? Where is the rules? Because if the EFL haven't got rules, what's the point of them even being there? What's the point of me even operating like that? Jordan, please help me. Please help me. Because I don't understand where the fit and proper persons test comes in. Because if Chancery is doing this, if Chancery is doing this with no explanation as to why, and if Reading are in the situation that they're in, and if other clubs could be in a situation where they're in, the whole... Colchester and Crawley nonsense. We are Threnton this past few weeks as well. It's like, what in the bloody hell is going on in the English Football League? Please help me. I'd love to, but I don't think I have much of an explanation. I, just the way that some of the clubs are owned. Obviously, you mentioned Reading. A couple of others in the past as well. More that have gone absolutely close to the wall. 
uh, in Barry's instance, at one point they did. Um, there needs, to, it's difficult to explain. There needs to be something more in place because more checks, whatever, just anything like that. Because we're seeing this far too much in football now, and it's it's becoming a joke. It's more it's more punishment on their loyal fans that have to go through this mess. I just want to mention this as well. Me being a Grimsby fan, you know, we've we've absolutely hit the jackpot with our ownership. The way that Jason Stockwood is, you know, he's mm. a really good businessman and he's local to the area as well. He, he cares passionately about the club. And we won't, you know, we won't be any sort, we won't be in any sort of trouble with this. Um, I think that's a good example to to look at. And I fondly believe that as well, as much as there may be a hint of bias in it. But honestly, I, I generally don't know that we're, we're seeing this far too much now. Um, you know, clubs that are struggling to pay pay off debts and and all and all that stuff. So I don't know. It's it's an absolute nightmare from from top to bottom, and there needs to be more that's done to it. I yeah. just don't don't know how that at the minute it's it's all it's just all a mess, really. Let's be honest. Yeah. Jordan, yeah, you mentioned yeah. there that um, you know yeah. you don't know how to really explain it. You go to anyone in the EFL, I don't think they'll be able to have much more of a better go at it, to be honest. I mean, we've seen time after time again. Obviously, the main one in recent times was very, you know, it got all the coverage on the media, etc. We had countdowns, on, countdowns in the background in, you know, Sky Sports. <clears throat> it was just like absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that they haven't altered the rules, the fact that they haven't, you know, that should have been a wake-up call for them, and yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's still going on. It's yeah, the fact that that's the thing you pointed it spot on, Lewis. The fact that there has been no improvement since the Berry incident—it's disgusting. And I'm not overreacting. It's disgusting, and it's inhuman as well. It's not just disgusting; it's inhuman. It's like, oh, let's treat these fans like morons and let's do whatever we want because no one's going to intervene until it's too late. And you said it about Barry, the countdown clock, like it's bloody deadline day. No offense to Sky Sports, it's a great yeah. organization, but you treated that situation like it was deadline day. You treated it as like, oh, countdown to a new signing. Yeah, a new signing for non-league football. Berry Football Club or Berry AFC, you know, they treated it like non-league football just gained a new club as a new signing. It was disgusting. And the whole situation was disgusting. And this is what makes me so angry. You mentioned some of them clubs there, Jordan, but let's mention some other ones as well. Macclesfield, Charlton Athletic, um, Hereford United, who are now Hereford Football Club, Darlington, who have had to well, basically restart again, and they're now having to fight it at the bottom end of the sixth tier of English football at the moment as a better-run club. There is so much going on in English football. And you know what? There's one thing that kind of stood out to me this week. And it's not the same situation, but I'll tell you what. What's going on now with the fit and proper persons test and clubs run badly, I compare to what the 2023 top tier fan speaks about the uh pgmol the the pg p pfmol whatever the professional referee is it's like if it's not happening to my club i don't care if it's not happening to this person i don't care and i think that the modern glory hunter football fan on social media especially has developed a very selfish reputation this especially this year in the previous season i feel like the modern football fan 
just doesn't care about anything that isn't what they believe in, what they support. They'll support what they want. And it's a very selfish attitude that could be damaging to the decisions that are made to help improve the game long term in the future. Because if we continue down this road, there's going to be a very, very dark football pyramid in 20 years time where there is a Super League, there is a franchise and there is everyone else suffering and no one will care because they think, oh, I'm going to go and watch this, the best in the world. You know, I don't want to support my local team anymore. I'm going to go to this because I want to go where the money is. And that is where football has been corrupt for 20, 30 years minimum. It is all about money. It is all about corruption. And it's, I will signal that fact again. It is disgusting. I don't give a flying one. If TalkSport or Sky Sports find this podcast, clip what I've just said, clip what we said, and put it all on their social media for opinions or likes or clicks. I do not care what you do with this clip because I swear to God, if nothing improves in football, I will speak to the Football League myself. We will chat to the Football League ourselves and we will try and sort it because who the hell else would? We need to keep talking about this. We need to keep sharing about this because right now it is doing my nutting and I'm sure it's doing other people's nutting that do care about the future of the game, that do care about the generations of fans walking down the lane, walking down the alley, walking down the pathways, wanting to get their first memories of a football game, paying 50 quid, 60 quid, whatever price down the divisions, paying 60 quid for a bloody shirt, paying 40 quid for a freaking bobble hat, you know, you know, these memories are going to last with people forever. And if you create negative cogs in the machine towards negative memories, you are part of that as an owner. You are part of that as a department. You are part of that as a football club. So please, please, please save the game. T match ticket prices, 20 is plenty. When it comes to ownership, a better fit and proper person's test, a stricter fit and proper person's test, rewrite it, a brief qualification test. Let's get people running football for football, not just for the benefit of themselves financially. That's all I'll say on that. I mean, any final words from you guys? Just applause. Just applause yeah, from me. Absolutely smashed that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had that. I've done that on my mind for the last what, no, five no, hours, no, no. and I just could not hold back anymore. I really, really couldn't. I've got nothing personal against the people that are involved in football. All these owners, nothing on a personal level. It's on a footballing opinion. Do something or you become the devils, not the angels. Um, before I go on anymore, we're going to get straight into the games. Um, we're going to talk about football now because football is what matters to the fans. Football is for everyone. Um, so we're going to get started on an absolute cracker of a game. Uh, Leeds United 4, Huddersfield Town 1. Um, wow, what a win for Leeds United. Um, I mean... Huddersfield looks shaky at the back. Um, I think there's there's three particular players that I wanted to pick out here. Um, two of, I mean, two in particular, Dan James and Somerville. Um, I mean, my God, those attacking talents are just unbelievable at the moment. Um, I mean, Melier is another player I want to pick out. He should be doing better for the goal they conceded, but. He was, you know, solid. He kept on his line. You know, he he looked like he wanted to do do stuff throughout the game. He was he was keeping solid. He was keeping, you know, on his mind. Uh, but attacking wise, James and Somerville are the two that I pick out in particular because they were there, right place, right time. 
making those moves happen, helping things tick. Um, the midfielders were involved as well. Uh, Leeds were just on point. I mean, Huddersfield's defence in the first half was just absolutely diabolical. They were shaky. They looked like they needed help. Um, and you know, I think I think looking at that game, I know I don't, I don't want to judge it after one game, but from from that game in particular. I think Darren Moore needs to address the defensive sides in January in the transfer window. He needs to bring in that top-tier defensive signing with, within the financial restraints to work with because not everyone is about outspending each other. You know, we're all, we need to be working within the rules of the, of the financial game here. Within the financial restraints that they're working under, they need to get as best defensive signing as they can. Um, if there's a certain quality they have to get and stick to because of the budget, no one can complain. At least they're not breaking the rules. So Huddersfield right now need to look at defensive signings in January to improve that back line because they, they seriously need to improve the solidarity and the structure of their defensive shape, uh, especially against teams like Leeds United who have got the attacking talent that's just come down from the Premier League that are just going to punish you. Um, Lewis, I'll get your thoughts on this game first of all. Um, your thoughts on, on Leeds' win? Because it sounds like an absolute thrashing and it definitely was. I mean, yeah, I don't think I could put it any better. I mean, it's just a, a really good lead side, Caster side, a very dilute Huddersfield side, you know. Uh, Darren Moore, he's got, he hasn't got much, you know, personality in that 11. You know, looking at the names that are starting for him, I think you mentioned the defence needs a bit of a restructure. There's a lot of issues there, but all over the start of the 11, you know, there's big issues. You know, you've got Kean Harrett up top. Is he championship quality? I don't think he really is, to be honest. You know, he's just got just got the one goal, I think, so far this season in 13 appearances. I mean, he's not started all then, but it's just it's just not quite good enough, to be honest. And I know, you know, we're on somewhat of a shoestring budget, you know, a, a team like Leeds, it's very difficult to compete with. You know, they've got Willie Nonto up top, they've got Joel Pyro, Rutter, Dan James, and a Titan lineup, which you know you could say is potentially Premier League worthy, but yeah, it was just too easy for Leeds. They were able to carve open them every single time that they went forward, and that front line was relentless. And in particular for Dan James's goal, where you know it was just carved through defence, and it was a lovely strike by him. And not only that, the defence probably could have you know closed them down a little bit easier. I think. Leeds quality is certainly there, but it, there's issues all over the Huddersfield lineup, not with just the defence. Yeah, hundred percent. I think Moore's got quite a bit of work to do all over the pitch in uh, in January to really bolster that resources to have a chance of really cementing that place in the championship next season and build from there. Um, Jordan, uh, final thoughts on on Leeds for Huddersfield one. Um, it was an absolute drub in. Uh, let's say, but I'll tell you what, watching the highlights, it was pretty much the Crescentio Somerville show. Um, I think he was involved in near enough every goal. He's that player who's looking to make stuff happen constantly. He wants the ball. He wants to move forward into good areas and has got a decent shot on him as well. Two goals and I believe two assists as well. Um, definitely for for uh, Dan James, Dan James II. Uh, it was a lovely ball through in behind and uh, James used his pace. It was a really good finish. Um, as you mentioned, I think probably Hel um, Melier should have done better uh, with their consolation. But, uh, you know, with the players that Leeds have got, mentioned Somerville, James, and 
some of the others that they've got as well, Joel Perot, Willie Nonto when he's on form. It's their their attacking options are ridiculous for this level. Mm. And it's no surprise that they are blowing teams away to some extent with with the firepower that they've got. But uh, it was a it was a really comfortable win for them. Four wins in their last five now for Leeds. We've really picked really picked up some perform back to back defeats for Huddersfield, but it just a fantastic performance from um from Leeds, particularly in the first half. We've just blow Huddersfield away. Yeah, yeah. It- Great win for Leeds United, but for, for Huddersfield, it was definitely a, a nightmare on Ellen Road Street. Um, stick with the Halloween theme there. Um, next game, we go down to the coast. We go down to Southampton, who picked up a great win. Uh, they exercised the demon that is Birmingham City. And uh, Jordan, what a performance from the Saints. Yeah, they're really in form, aren't they? Um they're unbeaten in their last six in the league now. Uh, four wins and uh, two draws. It's not been the best of time at the minute for Wayne Rooney. It is uh, his new side in Birmingham. They took the lead early on with Taylor Harwood. Bellis, God knows what he was doing uh, up, up front for that one. But he, he scored ahead. It was a lovely cross from um, Adam Armstrong. And then the, the second goal as well from Carlos Arcaras. It's so easy for him. The way that uh, I think it was Sulimana that got him in and and um, Al, um, Alcaraz has, has got a tap in as well. Um, it looked to be the perfect substitution um, when um, Jay Stansfield came on for uh, Suriki Dembele about the 60-minute mark and he scored like, like a minute later um, in, in a chance that Birmingham could get something out of this, but they were dashed uh, quite late on with Adam Armstrong. It was a it was a really work, got, worked well-worked goal, actually, uh, from Ryan Fraser's cross. I think it was uh, Endozzi's head that laid off straight to Armstrong. Um, he's in. He's in some good form at the minute as well. So um, it's a it's a really good win for um, for Southampton. Um, three wins in a row. Uh, no, three defeats in a row. Sorry, for uh, Wayne Rooney at um, at Birmingham with Ipswich to come next. So um, it's it's not getting any easier for him at the minute either with the form there on. But uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly been a difficult start for him. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think I think I saw a clip on social media as well at full time with Birmingham fans booing Rooney off the pitch at full time when he went down the tunnel think, as well. I think yeah, I think they did it in their second game. Um, the team they played escaped me, but uh, it was against Hull actually. Oh, Hull, I think it was. Yeah, Hull oh, was yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you think? But I, I mean, obviously, I know if, if you don't like a result, if you if the performance wasn't great, you have a right to share your opinion as long as it's done without crossing the line. Um, do you think Birmingham fans were in the right there? Um, but like I said I definitely saw some people booing them off at, at full time at Southampton as well. Um, do you think it was probably the right thing? I think in the context of things, you know, we saw obviously it wasn't the best performance by any means against uh, Hull. You know, Hull could have won by two or three goals in the end. And I think it was just the one. And we saw a very poor Birmingham side. But in the context of things, it was Wayne Rooney's first home game. I think, you know, you've got to cut him a little bit of slack there. But then, you know, you get all these arguments, you know, um, the fans are paying to be there. They have the right to express their concerns. But I think in terms of anyone that was booing away at Southampton, you know, it's one of the best sides in the division. I think it's a little bit harsh to do that. And considering, you know, they had them against it at times, you know, they got it back to 2-1, I believe. 
uh, after a goal from Jay Stansfield. But yeah, I think it's a little harsh at this point to be calling for his head or whatever. But there's not been any sign of improvement or no real sign for optimism so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think players like Joe Stansfield will definitely give uh, Birmingham some potential hope uh, for, for for a bright light in this kind of sort of dark period um, at the start of Rooney's reign. Um, next then, two sides promoted from the third tier uh, ahead of this season at Portman Road. Uh, Ipswich 3, Plymouth Argyle 2. Uh, Lewis, you've got this one for us. Um Kieran McKenna's side just go from strength to strength, despite Argyle finally getting their scoring up and running. Yeah, certainly. And surprisingly enough, it started off with a Plymouth goal. And what a strike it was from oh. Morgan Whitaker, who cut in from the left and hit it. And it was absolutely perfect strike to hit it past Hila. Hila- goal Hila- of the season. I've, de- I've definitely butchered that name. But yeah, it, it <laughs> certainly was a contender for that. And uh they were so close to, you know, heading into the in- interval ahead before a scramble in the six-yard box, which saw Ballymumba unfortunately turn it into his own goal. And when you look at uh, that goal, you know, it gave Ipswich, you know, that gust of wind that they needed. And if you give them an inch, they'll take a yard. They're very likely to go ahead after that. And the form this season only shows that. And we didn't need to wait long until the second half, which saw... Ipswich scored an incredible uh, goal. I think it was Leif Davis from left-back position who set up strike at George Hurst to bend it past Cooper. And looking at that Leif Davis pass, you know, he's miles behind. It's a 30, 35-yard pass, maybe even 40 yards, and he just curls it round and it's weighted absolutely perfectly. Like, Roberto Carlos-esque. You know, when I saw that was Leif Davis, I couldn't believe my eyes, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> And um, yeah, we then saw Marcus Harness's goal. A uh, slight stroke of luck for this one after he took it past the keeper after two bites of cherry. You know, the first one he couldn't quite get behind the keeper, but uh, it, I mean, we saw it was stopped by Kessler Hayden, but he could only divert it back into Harness's path. And then he dispatched the second one. And the potential of a late comeback was on for the away side after a brilliant run down the left from Bally Mumba who's been in brilliant uh, form so far this season. He saw him swing it into Edwards. However, it was too little, too late for the away side. And, you know, we see this leaves Plymouth 19, not looking in the best of positions, but when you see that we've just uh, scored two at Portman Road, they shouldn't be disheartened by any means. And we can't can't say many teams have done that. And... I do fear for them a little bit, you know, there was a good performance there, albeit they did concede three, but we've got quite a few tricky performance, tricky fixtures up ahead of them. You know, we've got Middlesbrough away, Leeds at home, no, sorry, uh, Middlesbrough at home, Leeds away, followed by Sunderland at home. I think I struggle seeing them getting any wins in that next three, to be honest. I think if we did get two draws somehow, although I'm struggling to see where they'd come, I think they'd be relatively content with that. I think Middlesbrough could be a potential draw, especially with the result at Stoke, against Stoke, which we'll talk about later in the episode. But, um, yeah, I'd probably say say Middlesbrough may be a potential point there. Uh, Jordan, quickly, before we go into the break, um, we talk about one particular moment in that game which could have led to a potential point 
Edmondson did not win that ball, should it have been a penalty? Um, I think it should have probably should have been a red card. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 I think that I don't think that's where I think I first saw it at the time, and I sort of I sort of wanted to give him the benefit of that, thinking he'd got the ball, but looking at replay, he clearly hasn't. Um, if if that's a, even if it's a red card, let alone a penalty, that's a that's a potential game changer right there. Um, it was certainly something that Ipswich got lucky on, um, but but they didn't. He stayed on the pitch, and you know they got that goal just before half time as with Barley Mumba as well, uh, former Norwich as well. So I reckon a fair few Ipswich fans would have uh, would have liked that one. But um, yeah, it was certainly. It's it was certainly a red card. Was it a pen? It looked on the line as, as such, but if it's if it's somewhat on the line, it, it's a penalty, isn't it? Um, but it's 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 an interesting one. I actually can't tell. I didn't properly watch it to the extent of a pen, but definitely a red card. That I don't think there's there's much doubt about it, to be honest. Yeah, I, I fully agree. Um, but there we go. So we're now going to head into a bit of an advert break. But coming up in the next part of the Championship podcast, a loss at the Riverside, Ainsworth's last game, and another instalment of the Jack Clark Show. Stay tuned here on Long Sports Media. We'll be back in a few minutes. You can count them. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to the Championship Podcast. Right here, the all the goals and all the drama from the second tier of English football, the English Football League Championship. Uh, we're going to get straight into the next game. Uh, and this was a two-all draw at Vicarage Road between managerless Millwall and Watford. Um, Lewis, your take on this one, start off with, as you're leading this particular game. Um, right result? Um, I think it was probably a fair result to a two either way. It's not a great result for both sides when you look in the context of the league. And I think it's safe to say that both sides should probably be slightly closer to the playoffs than they are at the moment. I mean, we would have seen a win, would have taken either side to mid-table. But when looking at the game uh, specifically, it was another goal, another goal under the belt for Zian Fleming, who now is free in his last five appearances. And I feel like Millwall in particular need to improve and get some points on the board or he could potentially be swayed away to a bigger club in January. He's the sort of player that many top half championship clubs will be looking at. And I certainly wouldn't mind Hull taking a look at him. He's got that championship pedigree. He's got that goal scoring ability. And 
I think many will echo them thoughts when looking at players to sign in the winter transfer window. As for Watford, there's no surprise to see them in the lower half of the table and spending just over one million in the summer, which considering the let go of João Pedro is Mela Sar mm-hmm. and Cabezale is absolutely ridiculous, I think. And when looking at, you know, their attacking abilities have been very poor, I think, in front of goal, you know, just scored the eighteen. And looking on the bench, they have players such as Reese Healy, which I think he got eight minutes at most in this game you know i think he should have been given a bit more of a chance to lead the line it was was just three minutes actually uh given against uh, millwall and uh, i don't know i think it could be the answer to their issues if i'm gonna be honest he came back from a long-term injury last season for toulouse but the season before he scored 20 goals in 32 appearances fair enough it's the league de i think you call it, you know, the second division in France. And I don't know if, if I, you know, it's slightly easier than the championship, maybe a little bit, but it shows that he's got that goal scoring talent. And I think he really needs to be given that opportunity. Yeah, don't get me wrong. The second division in France is always a good pickup for talent, even for the English leagues. Like, you, I'll take Leicester, for example. They picked up N'Golo Conte from the second French division at the time, you know, from Sean, I believe the club was named. Um, and look at where he, you know, what he's done since. Um, obviously, Jordan, Millwall, four without a win. Now, but as we just said there with Watford, £1 million reportedly spent in the summer after the departures of the likes of Gerard Pedro for a record club fee at Brighton. Uh, with Cabasele departing, with, with Saar departing as well. Um, big, big January for, Valenti- for Valerian Ismail, isn't it? Uh, especially with how much backing they've given him both publicly and I'm sure privately behind the scenes as well. You'd like to think, wouldn't you? Um, we saw the, I mean, you, you know what Watford's owners like, that they say one thing, they might do another. Um, but you but you do look at it. Um, Watford fought, unbeaten in four, two wins, two draws. But even before that, they'd lost the last three. So I don't think you know with the lack of goals that they've that they've had as well. I don't think there's much surprise that they're in the lower half of the table. They did sell some big names, as as Lewis mentioned as well. You know the likes of Ismail Assar and a, a couple a couple of others like that. And I don't know. I'm just struggling to see that much quality. I, there's there's certainly some. But I don't know. I'm 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 struggling with Watford at the minute, and I just don't know how 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 the how they could at the minute. The goal difference is, I mean, they've scored 18, they've conceded 18 as well. They're on seven, they're on 17 points. So even that, the what six away from from the playoffs up there. But even that seems, I think, for where Watford are at the minute, quite a far bit away at the moment. So I'm not sure. Um, I think early time will tell. Whether he does, whether he does get that back in, or whether they'd I want to say will the axe, but they, Watford do it too much. I, I, I just don't know at this stage. I really don't. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. Um, moving on then to the Riverside Stadium. Um, these two sides are now a point and a place next to each other. Middlesbrough ahead of Stoke by just that one point and one place after this game. A 2-0 win for Alex Neal's side at the Riverside. Uh, Carrick loses, unfortunately, once again. Um, Stoke really building some good momentum from this game. Um, in fact, one of the goals was a, was a great set-piece movement. Um, 
you know, to 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 get that goal. Um, you know, it, it was it was great. Um for me, I think that Stoke have got some great players in that side. I think that um, you know, Vidigal's a great talent. Um, came off the bench, didn't do too badly. Uh, when he came off, it was a great attacking talent to sort of shear up the game. Um, I think some people to keep an eye out for. I think Rose at the back with that goal was spot on. Uh, I think Lauren, captain the sides, worked in the midfield quite well. I think Medi Leris was just fantastic. Um, uh, Hak Sabanovic. Now, people may not recognise that name, but people who are West Ham fans might recognise that name if you're listening to this. Obviously, he's a former West Ham player uh, from a few years ago. Uh, Dwight Gell, an experienced football league striker. Um, and Jack Bonham, again, a recognisable name. Maybe not in the eyes of uh, of, of Watford fans, but um, but there we go. Um, if you need more context on that, check out Watford versus Leeds in the, um, on the last day of the season, I believe it was, uh, when it was Watford v for a for a, for an automatic promotion place, um, but yeah, um, Lewis, your thoughts, mate, on Middlesbrough v Stoke? It seemed like Stoke definitely deserved that one. Yeah, certainly, and it's a pot side that have turned into a real force to be reckoned with. You know, it's now three wins on the trot. When I saw them against Hull, they were very flat and offered very little going forward. And I think Hull were up by two goals at half time and. You know, the discontent around Britannia, I don't think it's called that anymore, but I'll call that anyways. You know, it was it was tangible. You could cut it with a knife, all the tension. And the turnaround from there, I thought, you know, the manager had lost the dressing room. The new signings hadn't gelled at all. They'd spent a fair bit in the summer and it just hadn't came together at all. But, you know, the signing players for a reason, the quality was clearly there. It's just, you know, as I said, it hadn't quite gelled yet. But, it seems like, you know, it's all coming together now for, for Stoke. Absolutely. Um, Jordan, your take on that one, mate? Um, I think it's a really good win for Stoke. I really do. With the way that Middlesbrough have been at recently, they've won their last six games before this and Stoke have rocked up. And they're in good form themselves at the minute. They've won three in a row now. Uh, they've won four of the last six, including two defeats. Um, it's It's a brilliant result in the context of you know, how how much Stoke have grown over the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, and they're finding um, creative, interesting ways to win as well. Uh, Michael Rose's header from, from a corner uh, quite early on. And as you mentioned, with um, with Mehdi Leris, uh, with, with his goal, it was a really good layoff. I think it was, was it Darnell Johnson? Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah, but Middlesbrough had the chances as well. If you saw, I think, was it Josh Coburn? Um, I think he hit the bar in some in one instance. Um, yeah. I can't remember if they hit the post or not. Or I, I don't think know. Coburn it's... tried to. I think Coburn almost, but I think he plays one over as well. I think he came close with the woodwork and also plays one over. So he had a couple of chances. Yeah, that yeah. He was he's, he was certainly certainly looked unlucky that they had the chance to win. But it's it's a really good result at, uh, for Stoke at the Riverside as well. And as we mentioned, you know Middlesbrough were absolutely flying in the league, and you know it's it's a. I say potentially a season changing results, but it's not because they've won the last three in a row. They've certainly got the momentum at the minute as well. And all credit goes to Alex Neil and his players for that as well. They've really picked up for what looked to be a somewhat bleak situation only a few weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right then, Ainsworth's last game in charge, as it turned out to be. And, you know, obviously with the opponent, you could say it's a bit unfair, but with the run of games, you could definitely say it's fair. 
Um, Loftus Road is where we go. QPR 1, Leicester City 2. Um, Lewis, mate, Leicester are just flying, aren't they? I mean, yeah, that's 13 wins in 14. You know, it, it, I think it's never been done before. It's the best championship start of all time. It's, you know, it's a side that are continuing to cruise and it seems like no one's going to stop them from doing that. And I don't want to say that automatics are wrapped up this early on, but I mean, there's two clear-cut favourites at this point, Leicester and Ipswich. But the quality that Leicester have on the field, you know, we saw Harry Winks, his goal, it was absolutely phenomenal, you know, to get the win. And, you know, that's not even mentioned the best ones. They've got, they've got Dewsbury Hall, he's been incredible this season. They've got a Premier League back four, I think, you would both agree, you know. It's there's just there's no faults with his side, and I was a bit skeptical with the manager that didn't bring in Maresca. You know, not much managerial in terms of being the main man experience, but of course he's learned from Pep Guardiola. He's going to be absolutely class, and I think we're just giving him the title now. Let's be honest. <laughs> I, think, I think it's fairly safe too. You know, we've seen them not not beat QPR too convincingly. And I think that they'd you know need a bit of help from that red card from Andre Dazelle. But every other game, bar the whole game, which is our only loss, uh, just thought I'd slip that one in there. <laughs> yeah, bar that, <laughs> they've been absolutely incredible, and there's no signs of that momentum slowing down at all. Absolutely, mate. Uh, Jordan, please take us through this one um, from both perspectives, because it seems like Leicester are just fine at the minute, but QPR. Like I said, with the run, it's unfair with the opponent, but with the run of games that they've had and the run of results they've had, I think it was probably the right time for Frainsworth to say goodbye. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think it was. I think especially with the rut that QPR run at the minute, I think the last the last team they'd had wanted to play is in fact Leicester. With the with you know they're absolutely flying at the moment with the stars you know, with the, the, the quality they've got in their squad. Um, what impressed me in particular about Leicester as well was certainly that they had to buy their time to win this one. But that's a sign of a good team. You know, they find a, they just find that way to win and it produced a moment of quality from from Harry Winks. And before that, I mean, with the first half goals, uh, Steffi Mavididi as well is a player that I rate big time. Um, although it did, his goal did take a bit of a nick of um, Albert Adoma. Um, but... You know they'll they'll take it. And Andre Andre Dozel as well uh, with an equaliser about five minutes before halftime, and then he goes and gets sent off. Now you look at that as a you said the game changer that Leicester could really go on. I think the red card's an interesting one because beforehand it's a he's he's committed a foul, and then he he's gone to shove. Um, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Fatawu. He goes and shoves him to the ground. I think it was and um, after. The referee goes to speak with the with the linesman. He eventually gives him um, a second year. But like I said, moment of magic to win it from ten minutes from Harry Winks. It was a it was a lovely lovely strike right into the top corner. Um, I just think with another defeat, it made Gary Fainsworth's position untenable. We, they're only going one way at the minute. They've um, they've only won five of their last twenty seven games um, under under Ainsworth, um, and that includes eighteen defeats as well. It's it's been nowhere near good enough and. You know, I think the change could have been made weeks ago. Um, it was really Months getting to that point. The, the football in, as, as well, <laughs> the football as well was was really wasn't great as well. 
for this team. Um, I, I don't think there's any complaints really um, on, on his dismissal. I think it was one that simply had to happen. Um, and let's just see where QPR go from here with uh, Marty. Um, uh, Marty, <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to try it. That's the one. That's the one. Um, because I asked Lewis at the start of the show, I might as well ask you now, Jordan, while we're talking about the, uh, one of the games that you're leading. Um, on Sifuentes, what do you think about this appointment? Because as I've said at the start of the show, I've I've analysed what he can do. He plays a very progressive style of football at Hammerby. He's got that experience of working abroad. Obviously, not a lot of English football experience, but sometimes these gambles can come off or could be a massive risk. Do you think QPR are taking the right risk at the right time? Um, it's certainly one hell of a risk. I think at the minute, what I think in an ideal world, what QPR needed or needed at the minute was a bit of stability. And let's say they'd have gotten someone like a Neil Warnock, you know, someone that's been there before. You know, you, you know, it, it's certainly steady the shit to some extent. It's certainly a risk. And look, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm no expert. I'm not going to say I know too much about him when clearly I don't. But what I have read is is interesting and um, is is quite encouraging for QPR fans. I think maybe my my concern is the fact has he got the players to maybe do that system or the, the different type of system with the football he likes to play. I'm not too sure, but only time can tell with that one. Um, it's an interest. It's a really interesting appointment, no doubt about it. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, as a part of me thinks, I'm not sure it's the right time to experiment at the minute with the absolute madhouse that's going on at Loftus Road. But I think in the long term, if it was to, to succeed in a way, it, it could work. But with, with all the stuff going at QPR at the minute, it's. I think it's quite hard to tell them all, in all honesty. Yeah, he's definitely going to need that January window. Just He's going to need this first kind of month or two just to kind of see where the squad is, who he needs to get rid of, who he needs to bring in and see if, see what the owner does you know, financially to back him in January. Um, right then, Lewis, we'll come to you next then, mate. Uh, your beloved Hull City strikes again. The Tigers have not mauled Preston, but they've got the job done. 1-0 uh, win. Um, what are we thinking about this one there? Take us through this one. Uh, yeah, well... I just need to say two words to you. Jaden Philogene. That's all that's needed, you know. <laughs> he single-handedly led us to our first home win since the second game of the season. And the run he made for the goal mirrored what he'd done several times that game. And several times, you know, in a whole City shirt that we've seen so far from him this season. You know, Brad Potts was having nightmares having to face him time and time again. He was doing him for pace, doing him for skill. And... I want to go back on something I said last week on the pod. I said, you can't expect him, despite his talents, to always be on, be able to take it past the man. It turns out you can. You know, I've, I've been left with egg on my face. You know, apparently, I was wrong. He's just absolutely incredible. And he's fairly single-handedly left Hull in a great position in, six, in seventh place, actually, uh, after West Brom's victory. And... I believe that momentum will continue onwards. Uh, Preston, on the other hand, have further continued their free fall, dropping out of the playoffs for the first time this season. And surprisingly, believe it or not, they're, despite their, their start, they're now close to Sheffield Wednesday's points total than Leicester's. 
it's an I think it's, it certainly is. And it was a very flat performance from them. And it seemed as if it came out to play for the nil-nil. And admittedly, you know, uh, well, I'd say Hull's quite a tough place to go. It's not really been that this season. I think we're 21st or 20th in the table when you just count home form. But yeah, they went out for a nil-nil despite being ahead of us in the table beforehand and were very one-dimensional and rarely were a cause of concern for the whole defence. I think there's a few iffy decisions from the referee. It's it's the championship. It's what we've been accustomed to. I think either side could have had a penalty at some point. Potentially, Preston deserved theirs slightly more. It was a bit more of an iffy challenge, but it was equaled out in my opinion and Hull came away with the win. I was just going to ask you actually quickly, there was at least two potential penalties I picked out for Preston. I think there could have been a real call for both of them. Yeah, certainly. There was one where, I should remember, I think, you know, he gets taken out twice in the in the same attack. I'm pretty sure you know, the defender takes a bit of a swipe at him and then Ryan Olsop, the keeper, seems to clatter him as well. I think there definitely is some sort of, there definitely is an argument for it to be a penalty. And if it had been given as a penalty, I don't think we'd be sat here now suggesting it should have been overturned or given any other way. I think it's one of them ones where, you know, you don't overturn that decision, but either way, I don't think you can really argue with what's been given. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jordan, Preston are winless in seven games now. uh, And I've seen one or two uh, accounts on on social media saying that if they lose the next couple of games, they're seriously going to start looking at potentially, you know, not call for Ryan Lowe's head, but potentially question his place at the club. Do you think it's fair to do that after the start they made before this run? Or do you think it should be a case of after these two games, look at it? Because there's some for it. But I know many are against calling for Ryan Lowe's head, even if they lose the next two games. Um, I think there's certainly some so, some cause to be concerned. Obviously, they're now winless in seven, uh, which includes three draws and, and four defeats in that time with another defeat to Hull at the weekend as well. Um, but I think he certainly deserves that that chance to try and uh, to turn it around with the brilliant start they had. Um, there was a part of me think that I didn't... I'd, I'd have been surprised if it had last, and it it hasn't. Um, but there's certainly some some cause to be concerned at the moment. But by the way, um, you mentioned Jaden Philogene. What a goal to win it as well. Um, the the way he's taken it has glided past a few players. He's so composed as well mm. in, in in front of goal to, as well. I think I think it kind of did off the post, didn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, and so. uh, it's yeah. It's just a it's just a lovely goal, and no Preston players got near him. I don't think any Preston players got near him all game. I think from looking at the Hearts, I think he had he had some at first half where did he try and take it around the goalkeeper, but it was like he couldn't entirely oh, make his mind up. It, it, it was a bizarre one, you know. Just before half time, he was one on one the keeper. He takes he just he attempts to take it past him. You know, he's got like basically the entire goal and. He decides against shooting, which if he hadn't scored later that game, I'm sure we'll be talking about now that now ridiculed him. But yeah, exactly. other than that, it was a brilliant performance. And I, I was at the game, and someone next to us, I remember hearing, you know, he's trying to draw in fouls, but he's actually 
too good to draw in fouls. You know, he's always yeah. just getting out the way of like the flailing legs, all that. It's just a Premier League talent playing for Hull. Yeah, like I say, really. Yeah, like I've seen, he, from what I've seen of him, he makes dribbling just look so effortless. Um, yeah, yeah. I, the way he's going at the minute, he's he he will be a quality Premier League player at some point, whether it's if it's with Hull or if it's not. You know, he is a special talent. Yeah, Certainly. yeah, absolutely. I mean, if the championship was the price is right, then Hull City's just hit the bloody jackpot. Um, and that that game on on the weekend was definitely uh, the the J, the, the Jaden Philogene massacre. Um, I mean, wow. Uh, nothing more to say really on Philogene. He's just a special talent. Um, next, then to Wales. Um, not really much to say on this game from me. Uh, Cardiff get the two to win over Bristol City. Of course, Pearson's now gone. Eustace looks like the guy's going to come in. Uh, it's a fifth victory in six at home for Cardiff. Um, a good win for Cardiff as well. Um, Bristol City, though, not too far away from the top 12. So there's a lot of work for Eustace to do potentially if he's the guy. But I swear to God, it's not as much as if it was a Sheffield Wednesday or a QPR or if Rotherham got rid of Taylor, etc. I don't think it's as much as that. I think it's a case of stabilising, trying to get into that top 10, top 12 for the end of the season. And then probably look at um, pushing it for playoffs next season uh, and try and go for it there. I mean, Lewis, your thoughts on um, on him? Yeah, I mean, you're certainly not wrong in saying it's a bit more of a advertising job compared to, you know, QPR Wednesday or Rotherham. You know, Rotherham will get on to them in a little bit, but they've obviously had a bit of a tepid time so far under Taylor. But yeah, I think... Johnny, he's a, he's a solid man to get in. Like I said before, he's got that championship experience. All you need to do, really, is see where he had Birmingham before. For whatever reason, they got rid of him and brought in Wayne Rooney. I mean, I think, yeah, yeah, he hasn't got loads of players at his helm. There's a bit of a squad depth issue there. You know, I think some changes will need be will need to be made in January, whether he'll be allowed to do that or not. But even with the players that he's got, um, I think he's one of the best managers to bring in to steady the ship at Bristol City and maybe m- maybe get him into the top half. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Jordan, fifth victory in six at home for Cardiff. I mean, their home record's just looking unstoppable at the moment. Yeah, they look good, don't they? And they continue to impress me. Um, I think you, you look at it at the start of the, uh, the season, I don't think many people predicted Cardiff to do as well as they have done. Um, the goals um, in the game as well, one's come from a Perry and G corner. He was in good form at the minute himself in front of goal from him being the f- defender as well. And for uh, Ruben Carwell to top it off um, late in the day where he's just glided past uh, two, two Bristol City players and he's just uh, absolutely lashed it into the, into the roof of the net. But yeah, exactly. Cardiff are... Uh, Back-to-back wins for them. Back-to-back wins for them now. Um, and this was after a run of three games without a win, in which involved a draw and two defeats as well. But as you know, Car- there's so much to like about Cardiff at the minute as well. With with the with the way they're playing, I think it's just continuing to shock people. Because l- let's be honest, you know they've they've had a they've had a difficult couple of years that, um, and rightly so, you know, very nearly got relegated. Well, certainly once, but maybe even twice. But the way I think is it Erol Bullet or something like um I think it's his name 
But the way he's just transformed them, uh, I want to say you know, them being in and around the playoffs is, is, is astonishing, I think, for for where they have been over the couple of years. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good win for Cardiff eventually. Um, that's, I, certainly, I certainly think it is. Yeah, yeah in terms I, of... Um... In terms of uh, Cardiff, you know, we've seen we've got two wins on the trot, but they were winless in the three before that. And the two that they have just won in a row against a very poor Aaron Moore side and also Bristol City, which have obviously covered the manager. Would you read into that too much as it may be being a bit of a false position? Maybe, maybe not. I think but you can certainly see that some, I mean, you, you, you did see that. The, they did win four in a row quite uh, not so long ago as well. But you, there's certainly a case that so, some of the teams in which they're not doing ent- entirely great at, at the minute, Hudders, Huddersfield um, being one, Rotherham, who they've played quite recently, is another. You could maybe make a case, but at the end of the day, you've just got to win at the minute. And even even in some in some of the games, they are finding just finding a way to win it as much as there is a a, a couple of defeats in there i mean no shame losing to middlesbrough their form uh watford recently as well which they drew one one maybe could have been a better result uh blackburn they're very hit and miss um i don't know i think it goes both ways really if i'm gonna be honest yeah yeah i agree with that um Right then, John, we're going to come to you next. Uh, we've spoken about Wednesday too much off the pitch at the start of the video. We have to talk about them on the pitch now. Uh, a morale booster, in a way, with Danny Roll. Obviously, the stuff off the pitch might put that victory in a bit of vein, but uh, in terms of Danny Roll, he's, he's started to get things moving now with a 2-0 win over South Yorkshire rivals. Yeah, he has. Um, I think, obviously... This was before the Chancery news this morning, but I think for Sheffield Wednesday's perspective, I think I think it's more of a sense of relief that they've finally got that monkey off the bat with them not having a league win. Um, granted, it's not against a team that's in the best of form themselves at the minute in Rotherham and are, and are down there with them, but in, in the Yorkshire derby, all you got to do is win, and they found a way to do that. Uh, Michael Smith in particular as well, the former Rotherham striker um, with both the goals. Um with uh, Anthony Masaba playing a big, big role in, in both of them as well. Um, but yeah, it, it certainly, uh, it certainly given Wednesday fans uh, leaving Hillsborough something to, to to smile about at least the fact. But you, you know, it's the fact it's still their fourteenth game and they've only picked up one win. It's still, it's still not good enough. Um, and that was including they've they've drawn three and they've lost the other ten, but. Yeah, I think for Danny Roll as well, in particular, his first home game, his first win, it could do him the world of good to an extent. But we'll just have to see what happens with um with Wednesday. As for Rotherham, I thought they looked really poor. Um, they didn't really, it didn't look like they wanted to take the name up the game by a swift the neck, and um, it's clear to see why they're down there at the moment as well. I think I'm right in saying they had about uh for each other. Oh no, they had four chances and zero on goal compared to Wednesday's 14 shots and four on target, which just scored twice. So it clearly wasn't a good enough display from Rotherham. And there's certainly some uh, concerns at the minute, especially with their with their growing form as well. Um, with only one win in like the last, was it eight or nine? Uh, one win in eight. So uh, yeah, not great for them at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Lewis, like I said, from a Rotherham perspective, just isn't lucky. It looks like one of those years again where they could be down back to League One this year. 
Yeah, certainly. And looking at this performance at Sheffield Wednesday, it was just fairly one-dimensional. I think you'd agree. The way they played, no shots on target, like Jordan said. And not just that, in the midfield, passing was all over the shop, just 56% pass accuracy. It's clear that they went out, you know, there wasn't any intricate passing, any of that. They were going for long balls, but... The only glimpse of pace to really have in that front line is Fred on your dinner. And you're looking at the, the rest of it, Jordan Hugel, for example. It's just, it doesn't really inspire you with confidence, if I'm going to be honest. And you look at the bench for strikers, you look at the bench for pace, and you think, dear God, Tom Eves. Like, <laughs> you can't really do much, if you're, if you're going to be honest, if you're... Matt Taylor, there's just not much to turn to, and he sort of has to. He has to change the tactics around. We saw him make a substitution actually in the 36th minute, I believe. He changed it around a little bit because they were getting battered against a fairly poor Chef Wednesday side, but it didn't make things much better. And I think there needs to be drastic changes, not in terms of the manager, but just in terms of playing style. They really haven't found the niche at the minute and with the players that he's got at the helm it's it's understandable why it is proven to be so difficult for him yeah I, I would I'd say it's I think it's time to switch things up now for the Millers but hopefully some some positives as you said Jordan for for the fans a bit of a smile uh on the on the playing side um we go to uh the other kind of late game uh that happened just yesterday actually on the Monday um Lewis, Coventry nil, West Brom two. I tell you what, with the financial, you know, irregularities that West Brom has suffered over the last year or so, I think that, you know, Carlos Corbran's definitely doing well. Yeah, I think they've certainly went under radar. I think it's safe to say that up into fifth in the playoff spots have crept above Cardiff and Hull City, who obviously both got wins on Saturday. It was in a game which was... Fairly controversial. Coventry, you know, had West Brom up against the Kosh for a fair bit. They had the majority of chances, majority of possession at home, but don't have anything to show for it in terms of mileage up the table. In terms of West Brom's first goal, the handling from Ben Wilson just wasn't nearly good enough to be championship standards. We've seen the heights that he had last season, you know, getting them into the playoff final and he was part and parcel of that. He has won the highest clean sheets uh, tally, I think, in the entire league. But, you know, it's night and day difference to what we saw yesterday at home to Cardiff. But I think it's safe to say that Diangana deserves a bit of credit for that goal as well, pouncing on the mistake from the Coventry keeper and slotting it past Thomas on the goal line. I think um, Haji Wright, uh, former... Turkish league player had a golden opportunity to level things up, but somehow his effort off target. I don't, I don't know how it didn't not not hit the back of the net, but I don't know how it wasn't on target. To be honest, we saw he was absolutely prolific in the Turkish league last season, getting twenty plus goals, and it's a form that you'd expect him to bring into the championship. It might be a bit more of a competitive, a bit more of a physical league but he's certainly got the quality you know it's Turkish top division he's doing that he's against teams such as Fenerbahce Galatasaray you know European sides and the fact that he hasn't brought that into Coventry where he's only got 
one or two goals, I believe. It's very strange, especially for the transfer fee that they did pay for him. And it was Hadji Wright who lived to his mistake when Thomas Asante was dispatched, well, he dispatched a beautiful finish into the top corner, one on one. And I think it's safe to say this was one of the most controversial moments of the game, you know, hint of offside. I think it's safe to say mm. you know, if VAR was uh, maybe, well, I say maybe, it probably would have uh, disallowed the goal, you know, his toenail was off, whatever. I think. Yeah, it definitely would have went back to 1-0 and we definitely would have seen a different scoreline and Coventry might have came back at that point. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jordan, from a from a Coventry perspective, I think the con- they've, they've conjured up another defeat. Yeah, they they have as well. There, there's certainly some controversial points in that. But I think even with that, um, even with Ben Wilson's mistake in the first, and even with the with the penalty in the first half, uh, for, for or potential pen, I should say, in the first half, where I think it's come off the hand of Cedric Kipre. Um, I personally thought it was. I, th- I think he's he's sort of leaning into it. But you look at the but what Coventry needed, what games are decided on them on our moments, and Hadji right, the, the ball was lovely. You know, he's timed his run to perfection. It sort of looked harder to not hit the target um, with a player with a sense of a player that's sort of low and cut is, is not, a, is probably struggled since he signed at the minute. You know, it's, that's a sort of moment that it could properly kickstart you, kickstart you in a game. And you just sense after um, Brandon Thomas Asante made it 2-0. And by the way, uh, as much as I think he's just ran offside, um, take nothing away from, from the finish. I think it's a, it's it's a really difficult finish that, and he's absolutely he's absolutely nailed it. But that just, but it there is certainly some concern for for Coventry at the minute. Win winless in four three straight defeats. So um, but you but like I say, you, you look at moments with the potential pen could have maybe had another. Um, it's certainly for for debate. But you know. W- with their goalkeeper, um, with the first one, it's really poor from Ben Wilson. Is that? But a lot of credit has to go to Grady Diangana. Right place, right time, just to stick with it. And even with Asante, uh, Thomas Asante's as well. Again, hint of offside in the frame. I think it gets ruled out. Um, it's just stuff that's just going against them at the minute as well. As much as even with that, they're not putting teams to bed. They certainly had a fair few chances in that game as well to get something from. I think especially when West Brom took the lead in the first half, um, Coventry in particular looked to be on the other, on the upper hand trying to make stuff happen, but they just couldn't in the end and they fall to another defeat. Yeah, absolutely. It seemed like the Baggies had all the tricks up their sleeve, but they definitely got the treats with the three points. Um Sunderland 3, Norwich City 1. Norwich City, in the words of a Christmas film, but still has a Halloween feeling, were as dead as a doornail uh, by the end of that game. But Sunderland, again, it is all about the funhouse of fears for every opposition, the Jack Clark show. Uh, John, we'll come to you first on this one. I mean, it was seriously just the Jack Clark show again, wasn't it? He is. Look, I, I don't think I need to explain how much I love him as a player. He's absolutely exceptional. Um, but Sunderland didn't have it all their own way. Um, they went obviously they, they went one nil down at Huang 
Kyujo. I, I definitely butchered that again. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a good finish, in fact, as well. But you've noticed um, with uh, with Sarah with um, running as well, possible offside in a build-up, but he, the fact he moved away suggests it didn't. But they equalised Sunderland about, what, eight minutes before half-time try, try, try Hume. Uh, another name I probably butchered. Uh, with a with a shot outside the box, it's called Shane Duffy in a sense as well. Um, he's, he's not having the rub of the green at the moment with an own goal against against, Le- against Leeds. And um, yeah, just before half time is is where you properly saw Jack Clark. Not just for the assist, but I think in the in the work beforehand, the way he was able to to dispossess and that ball to Dan Neal is absolutely superb. It's the, the vision on that. He's Neil's in It's just a simple finishing um, in in the end for him. Um, the way he's, he's he's took it back past a few players as well. And then Jack Clark, the centre of attention again for Sunderland's third coming from the penalty spot. Um, he, he does well to dispossess. I think it was Duffy again, and uh, it was uh, McLean that sticks a leg out. And yeah, you, you know when a pen that Jack Clark's always going to take it, and, he's, and he smashed it down the middle for for another win. Uh, for Sunderland, in which they stopped to run a three straight defeat, so it certainly gets that winning feeling back at the stadium of like, yeah, absolutely. I think for Norwich, it's definitely back to the uh, back to the drawing board for Sunderland. A great win for him and for Tony Mowbray. Um, Lewis, we're going to finally come to you. Um, Ewood Park is where we finish. Um, Blackburn Rovers nil, Swansea City won. The Welshman win again. It's a double Welsh winner this weekend. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that this game was one of the surprises of the weekend as well. I mean, we saw a Blackburn side looking for four wins on the bounce and they were beaten at home by a Swansea side, which had lost the last two, you know. I think it was a big shock to us all, and it was a very end-to-end goal, end-to-end game. Sorry, we saw a rare goal for Liam Cullen, who's netted his second goal in 14 games, and what a well-taken finish that it was as well. We saw Sigurdsson come in to close down, and the way he was able to shift the ball onto his left mirrored an attacker brimming with confidence, and I'm sure that goal will do him the world of good and. It leaves Swansea just one place behind Blackburn. Uh, I think it, yeah, Blackburn and Swansea sitting 12 and 13 consecutively in the table. As for Blackburn, not one of their best performances. You know, we're seeing players such as Tyrese Dolan, who's significantly improved since since moving from left wing to centre forwards the Rovers, but he didn't show loads against Swansea. He did, however, deserve an assist after he set up Callum Britton, but how he didn't knock it in, I've got no clue. And yeah, Swansea, surprisingly, the victors for this one. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, it tops off a wonderful uh, range of games this weekend. Um, just a quick note then for you guys uh, about the table. Leicester and Ipswich, of course, sit top two of the table. Ipswich, nine points above third place leads with a game in hand. West Brom and Cardiff round up the playoffs with Hull, Sunderland and Preston not too far behind. In the bottom three is Sheffield Wednesday, QPR and Rotherham with Huddersfield above on five points, but Rotherham have a game in hand. Coventry and Plymouth still looking over their shoulders. Gentlemen, what another weekend of football it has been. Have we enjoyed it? It's been brilliant, yeah. Yeah, absolutely fantastic, mate. 
<laughs> no, in, in, in um, a sense of the championship. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about obviously League Two's another day. Um, but no, the yeah. championship. Yeah, I agree with you guys. It's been uh, fantastic. Uh, some great games coming up in the next round of fixtures. The top of the table clash. Leicester host the White Rose of the top six, Leeds United. Bristol City managerless host Danny Rolls, Sheffield Wednesday, and plenty more besides. Thank you very, very much. Make sure you go for all the socials of Look Sports Media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We are all on there. Go and check out the Look Sports Media website as well, www.thelooksportsmedia.co.uk. But thank you very, very much, guys, for listening to the Championship Podcast. He is Jordan and Lewis. I am the C-H-A-L-L. Tarot for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.